Thanks for listening to the Pioneer Valley Church podcast. Our hope is that what you hear encourages your faith in the way of Jesus and inspires you to participate in what God is up to in the world. God bless. Good morning. How are we doing, everybody? Uh, It's so exciting. I love when the church building is decorated. I feel like I'm walking into something special. Like something special is going to happen at church today. And I know that's true of every Sunday, but there's something about like the tree and the wreaths and the little like gold stuff that just does something for me. I hope you feel the same this morning. Uh, Would you do something with me? I'd love to start with a reading of scripture, but if you could do this with me, just relax your posture for a second, settle in, try to find yourself into an open posture, whatever that means for you. If that's open hands, closed eyes, relaxed shoulders, whatever it means for you to have an open posture to God's word this morning. I'm going to read Psalm 27. I just encourage you here before we read to recognize that this is not just ancient literature. This is something beautiful. It's a gift from God, something he has for you this morning. There's something in here that he's specifically saying to you, to your life, to your situation. It's a gift he wants to give you. So just notice as you read, notice what he speaks to you. In Psalm 27, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle, and set me high upon the rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. O God, my Savior, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Take a moment. Think about what you are waiting for this morning. It could be a million different things that you feel like the tension of now and not yet. But be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. I'm excited to welcome you into our season of Advent as a church. 
Uh, it's something I am particularly tickled by. Uh, it's something I didn't get to do growing up. I, I'd celebrate Christmas, but this idea of Advent to me, and perhaps to you as well, meant very bad chocolate in small cardboard boxes. Like the little doors. And now Advent has even been commercialized where I went to Costco and they have like a beer Advent, like one of every day and there's a, a chocolate Advent and there's a, whatever, whatever your vice of choice is, there's an Advent for you. There's a lot of misconceptions, and so as a church, we've kind of moved away from the idea of Advent, and we go, well, we're, we're going to reclaim Christmas, and that'll be our thing, and Christmas is a beautiful thing to celebrate. We'll talk about it. Don't worry. But I, I wanted to share with you where Advent comes from and, and why it's so important for us to celebrate in our season of life here in you know, many, many years in the future. Uh, Advent, the first uh, explanation we have, the first writings of Advent that we have are in the fourth century. So the, the 400s. Yeah, so about 15, 1600 years of church history that we've gotten away from here. Uh, they, they spoke of a season, a season of calm, quiet, slowing down in anticipation of Christmas. And it's something that we've gotten away from as a church, but it has old roots actually in the Jewish faith. Uh, the, the way the Jews, if you're, if you're familiar with the Jewish faith at all, the way they, they structure their year is very organized. Uh, there's seasons. There's seasons where we do specific readings, we follow specific themes and ask specific questions. And this same calendar of readings and ideas and, and worship happens year after year after year. Like imagine if there was a week, uh, the week of July 3rd, we read Genesis 5 every year. You, th you might think, okay, that would start to get boring, that would get old, but actually it's the opposite thing. Because you come back to the same themes every single year with a new sense of perspective. A new sense of wisdom, hopefully, and maturity. And by, by recycling these themes, we're not just going in circles. We're actually spiraling upwards to greater faith, to greater depth in our relationships with God. We need to start thinking again seasonally in terms of our own personal formation, thus the season of Advent. Advent is a season that we're meant to come back to year in and year out with a new perspective with a new maturity so that we can embrace what God's doing right now in our lives and what he will do in the future. But what is it? What is Advent? Well, the simplest term, if I, if I turn the clicker on, the simplest term, uh, Advent means coming, as in incoming or arrival or upcoming. And just like Tom said in our, uh, our Advent podcast series, hopefully you're listening to that, Spotify, Apple Music, you know, Apple Podcasts, wherever your podcast, uh, we're doing a, a quick meditation every day. It's two or three minutes, and it's a way to center ourselves back to what God is up to during this Advent season. But Tom shared in the first one earlier this week that there are three Advents, three comings that we celebrate when we celebrate the Advent. The first one is the one that we're all very familiar with. It's Jesus's first arrival on earth, the thing that we call Christmas. Right? It's something that Israel waited for for thousands of years, the arrival of a Messiah, a savior, a, a good king and ruler to take over this world and make things the way that they should be. That's the first thing that we celebrate. We celebrate Jesus' humanity, his arrival, his goodness, even to show up in our world. The second advent that we celebrate is Jesus' incoming, his arrival in our everyday experiences today. That Jesus shows up in our lives all the time in scripture, in prayer, 
in movements of God's Holy Spirit, in community and in communion. Jesus is all around us. But during this time of Advent, we remember what it means to seek him in the ordinary, in the everyday things that you and I might take for granted. The last Advent that we celebrate is the one that has not come yet. It's the parousia, the second coming of Jesus, when he's going to come back. He's going to witness the things that we've done with his good deposit of grace. We're going to celebrate the the final arrival of kingdom, which is too exciting to even speak on today. We celebrate three comings, three advents. And what you might notice in these three experiences is a very human experience. At the center of all three of these arrivals, incomings, is the very human experience of waiting. So difficult. (laughs) One of the most challenging things we do as people is wait. To anticipate, to hope. It's a real challenge in this season, particularly because we don't live in a waiting culture. Right? Everything about the Christmas season has been pushed back. Now, the second you take off your Halloween costume, it's Christmas. We have foregone waiting. We have foregone patience and hope and all the things. I want my presence now. We live in an Amazon Prime two-day delivery culture. I want to be with my family now. I want to go on vacation now. And so we find ways to circumvent this difficult, ugly, nasty process of waiting so we can get what we want when we want it. Now, I've been debating this for about a week because I knew I was going to do this. Uh, I don't know if we are born impatient or if we are taught impatience. What do you guys think? How many of us think that we are born impatient? We just have a natural leaning towards impatience. That's a solid group. How many of us think that maybe impatience is a thing that is learned and taught over time? Pretty even. I don't have the answer. I don't know. Right? You're like, hey, why are you up here then, right? I have no idea. I, I personally believe that my patience is inherent. <laughs> like it, is, it is in my sinful nature to be in, uh, inherently impatient. And I know this because of an experience last week that I'm very ashamed of, and that's why I come up here, to share my shame with you. Um, that's not a psychosis. That, I'll talk to my therapist about that. Um, that Friday, I ordered a package. Not that important. It's some disc golf discs. Literally the least important thing that's going to be delivered all year. And I ordered on Friday, and because we live in a wonderful culture, I knew that I was getting my package on Wednesday. Can you imagine what that would have been like 20 years ago to know when you're going to get the thing that you want? Back in the 90s, you'd order a package, and then you'd just... Forget about it. Yeah, you'd forget forget that you ordered it, and then you'd be like, oh, sweet. A PS1, cool. Like, no way, I forgot about that. But we live in a fantastic culture where we get updates on our shipping. Incredible thing. So Sunday night, I'm relaxed. Just, you know, I'm trying to get over an illness. And I decided to just check, see how the package is doing. (laughs) Guys, good news. We live in the 21st century. This package is showing up Monday. Come on, baby. We live in a great society. It's coming Monday. You know what that did to me? It ruined my Monday. (laughs) Because I spent the entire day looking out the window like, is that, is he? And I'm getting minute-by-minute updates, like, went out for delivery at 6.35 a.m. It's 12.35 p.m. Does it take six hours to deliver a package? Do we need to form a search party? Do the authorities need to be involved now? I need my disc golf discs. It showed up at 4.30. Here's the thing. My impatience ruined a day for me 
because a package showed up two days early. That became a problem in my life rather than a joy or a solution. You may have learned impatience. I am just a naturally impatient person. And your impatience, your, your hope, your, your waiting might take a lot of different forms. Here's a few that I thought of. At least in this season, it's the anticipation of time together. How many of us look forward to Sunday morning to worship together, to sing Christmas songs? I can't wait, right? Or maybe you're looking forward to time with your family. Maybe your, your waiting is, is a hope for a better future. For you personally or your family or for our world, you just want things to change and be better. Maybe you're longing for some form of fulfillment, a relationship, a job offer, whatever it is for you. Maybe ah, this is the thing that's going to solve my problems. Maybe you have unresolved conflict or grief, especially grief surrounding this season. Right? Maybe Christmas was not a joy for you growing up, and so there's, there's a, a dread that starts to come up around this time of the year. Maybe you're just impatient with the world that we live in. It's not fast enough. It's not changing fast enough. It's not good enough. Whatever waiting looks like for you, our impatience can drive us to seek fulfillment in all the wrong places. And so we, we circumvent this process of waiting. And Advent for us stops being a, 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 a form of spiritual formation. It starts to become spiritual deformation. We become less like Jesus in this season. We get more angry at traffic. We get more ungrateful when we don't get the things that we want. We get more impatient with our family or our work. This is a season of formation for us, to become more like Jesus in our very human, undeniable experience of waiting. Now, the good news for us is that waiting is a human experience that has always been experienced. Forever and ever. The first, the first guy trying to get fire was like, come on, seriously? Right? Like everybody experiences impatience. And we have a wealth of ancient wisdom explaining the human experiences of our lives. Uh, turn over to Isaiah 9, if you would, with me. Like I said before, we celebrate three Advents when we celebrate the Advent. That first one is the waiting for the Messiah something that we, we get to look at in hindsight and celebrate, but for the people before Jesus' time, it was almost a, a nervous anticipation, an anxiety of when is he going to come? When is our king going to show up? And so these, these men and women, the prophets, they spoke God's words to the people, words of hope, words of warning at times to explain to them what things were going to be like when the king Came And one of them, this guy, Isaiah, this is what he says in Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to read a good chunk of it. Honestly, this whole chapter is great, but just a little chunk. First one, Isaiah says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Whew, sit with that for a second. No more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles. By the way of the sea along the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle 
and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. There'll be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This was the hope they had before Jesus. This was the story they told about their, their present and their future. And it's not so dissimilar from ours. We know what it's like to live in darkness. We know what gloom and distress feel like. But we need to teach ourselves to tell these same stories about our future, the same way they told these stories about their future. We are currently walking in darkness, but we have seen a great light. A dawn is coming. This is the story that we tell while we wait. It's a story of hope. It's a story of life as it should be. Check this out, verses four and five. They've sh he has shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, the warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. There'll be fuel for the fire. In that day, in the Lord's day, we're going to abandon the burdens that have weighed us down, whether self-inflicted or inflicted by, by someone else. The violent means that we've used to defend ourselves and get what we want are destined for the fire. That old way of getting what I want, protecting my own, doing it my way, we can drop it. We can burn it because it has no place in the king's kingdom. The burdens, the things that tell me that I can't live this kind of life are dropped like a broken yoke. Why? Because verse 6 and 7, because a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will be the living display of God's favor in a safe and trustworthy ruler, someone that I can put my hope and my belief in. Because he's going to be here, I know God loves me. Think about that for just a moment. What are the things that make you feel specifically, intentionally loved by God? Now put those in a person, and that person has been charged to keep you safe. That is the hope that they had. They wanted, they eagerly desired, and we eagerly desire a new normal. We're not satisfied with the world we live in or the life that we live. I want a new normal of God's favor and presence increasing my joy. Increasing our joy, verse 3, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you like a harvest or dividing the plunder. Who, who, who here has divided plunder this year? No? Okay. It doesn't all translate, to be fair. But we know the feeling of unwrapping the gift and we're like, yes! Plunder! plunder. <laughs> I got an iPad or whatever, right? Plunder. This is the new normal that God is promising us in his Messiah. This is what we wait for, and the waiting is very difficult. Because the more I think about how it's going to be, the more cognizant I get of how it actually is. 
oh, I just can't wait for these burdens to be gone. But for today, I have them. I can't wait for this violence to get burned in the fire. But today I live in a violent world. This is the story they told as they waited. Here's another one, Isaiah chapter 11. And again, I encourage you to take time this week, read the whole of Isaiah 11. But for the time being, we're just going to read the beginning. Another story, another promise from God about how it's going to be. Verse 1, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy. And justice he will give de- with justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness, take him down. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. Don't we long for this day? Anything I would give to see Jesus come back and do this in my world. And it starts here in verse 1. Don't I long for fruit? It says the roots, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Don't, I just, I long for obvious proof that this works. I long for obvious proof that God is with us, that he does care and he is moving. I just want something to point to. Say, see See, this Jesus is who he says that he is. The next thing here, don't we long for the spirit to fuel our life? Spirit, just like he says here, of wisdom. Who needs more? Of understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, and the delight of the fear of the Lord. These concepts just seem impossible to us at times. They feel foreign. But I know in that day, this is how it's going to be. It starts with Jesus, and then suddenly the same spirit will fuel our lives. And again, we see markers of a redeemed world, justice, righteousness, hope, slaying the wicked, faithfulness, the sash around his waist. It is hard to wait because we know how remarkable it's going to be. And it shows us how unremarkable, or honestly, remarkable and how bad it can be in the here and the now impatience can force me to do one of two things. It can force me to look to the past, to go, oh, the good old days. Oh, I wish it was just like how it was in 98 or whatever. Or it can force us to look to the future, to abandon the present and just say, okay, I'm just going to focus on how it's going to be. I'm going to kind of handle my business here, but then I get to go to heaven. I, I get out of here. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. We, we start to become nostalgic for something that never even happened to us that we've never even seen before. I feel a a form of nostalgia for this day. I'm like, when's it going to happen, God? I would love to see some fruit. The waiting makes us more aware that we're not there yet. And so we need to learn how to wait. We need to be taught. And it's not going to happen in one season. This is the first advent potentially for you, or the second, or the fifth, or the tenth. But there are many, many more to come because the, the process of being formed into Christ's likeness The process of learning how to be like Jesus in our patience is a lifelong pursuit. We get better at waiting, and then we get worse at times, and then we get hopefully better again. An important note here, and you've got to ride with me because it's going to sound crazy. This was not written about Jesus. 
what? Yes, in the grand scheme, yes, but this guy Isaiah, he's writing these words, he's speaking these words. He didn't know that this, this man named Jesus was going to show up in Nazareth at this time. The idea of like 3 BC, it didn't, it didn't exist to him. He knew that this Messiah was coming, but he didn't know how it was going to look. But he knew who it was going to be. He didn't know how it was going to occur, but he knew who God was. He knew who this Messiah was, and he was trying to speak it to the people so that when the Messiah showed up, they would recognize him. But what happened? Over time, over centuries of waiting, these words of truth were slowly misunderstood, distorted, until in Jesus' time, unbelievably, they thought they were getting a conquering war general, and that was going to be their Messiah. Plunder, baby, right? This is what they expected. So when he showed up, they had no idea who he really was. Just like us, just like us, we've been waiting for a long time for Jesus. Maybe he shows up in scripture or in prayer or in communion for you. We haven't seen that day that we're still longing for. We are just as much in danger of misinterpreting God's word and missing out on the true arrival of our Messiah. We can't know how it's going to happen, but we know who he is. And so we wait, like they waited for a long time, longing, maybe discontent, often impatiently, but with hope. Mm -hmm. Seeking signs of his justice, seeking signs of his righteousness in everyday life, the second advent that we talk about. The big question, why do we wait? What is God's intention for our waiting. Why put us through this every single year and really every single day of our lives? Because it's good for us. Your mom was right. <laughs> waiting is good for you. Mm-hmm. Waiting changes us. It refines our motives. Mm-hmm. It tells us what we really want. Yeah. It, it teaches us to live in the present, not the past, not the future, but to live here and now. It teaches us to seek God in unlikely, non-obvious places. Places like farms, mangers, surrounded by cows, places like that, right? Teaches us to live into the values of Isaiah as we wait as well. Waiting is just as much about how we live right now and the people we're becoming right now as it will be on that day. Check this out. As we close out here in Romans 13, I'll explain what I mean. Flip over there. Romans 13, verse 11. So Isaiah is written in a pre-Jesus world, a pre-human Jesus world. For people who are waiting for the Messiah, they can't can't stand how long it's taking for this Jesus to show up. But this this letter here, it's written by someone named Paul who exists in a post-resurrection world. Just keep that in mind as you hear this. Romans 13, verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Baked into every single announcement 
of the second coming. You can check this out in the New Testament. Whenever the day of the Lord is mentioned, it is always attached to a call for how we need to live right now. Always. We can talk about hope and one day Jesus is going to come back. But this isn't the 1990s. You don't have to sit on your hands anymore. There are updates on what we should do right now as we wait for the Lord. We're called to live decent lives. Called to leave darkness and to, like he says in verse 12, put on the armor of light. I ask is, are we ready to be citizens of that new world? We talk about injustice coming to this world and bonds being broken and plunder, but are we ready to live in that new society? Are we ready to be servants of Jesus? Actually, when he shows up, because he might ask for things that we aren't prepared for. He may not look the way that we expect. Even in our hearts to a degree, we might expect a Jesus that is not going to show up a war general, a conqueror, a plunderer. That is not the Jesus we see in Scripture. Are you ready to be a citizen of that new world? Here's one place to start. How to form ourselves, or how to be formed in our waiting, I should say. Bless you. It's a simple word. It's a one-word prayer. The easiest prayer ever, right? It's this word, Maranatha. And simply, it just means, come, Lord Jesus. We get it from 1 Corinthians 16. It's, a, it's kind of a one-off by Paul at the end of a letter. He's like, come, Lord Jesus, on to the next one. But it's something that captured the imagination of our brothers and sisters thousands of years ago. And it's a prayer that is still prayed all over the world. And I encourage you to pray it this season and forever, really. But especially in this season of Advent. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. As we wait, impatiently or patiently, come, Lord Jesus. Jesus, as our family disappoints us, or we don't get what we want, or the world seems to be getting worse and worse, come, Lord Jesus. As we grow, as we mature, as life gets better for us and around us, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.